on Wednesday night, I, I uh, gave a talk at Everyday Zen, and I told a story, a short little story of a uh, American Buddhist nun uh, practicing in the Tibetan tradition. And when she went to Dharamsala in the 70s, she was surprised to find herself one day in front of the Dalai Lama. He asked her, do you have a question? And she was uh, very, very new to Buddhism, very fresh. And um, she said, well, what's this word dharma? Dharma, dharma, dharma. I hear it all the time. What is it? He said, dharma is a mirror of your mind. As I was thinking about that this morning, I was thinking of what a beautiful mirror mind we have with Wendy giving us our Dharma talk this morning. How lucky we are to have her and to know that we have each other as well to mirror our Dharma. Thank you so much for being here and Wendy, please, if you're not unmuted, unmute yourself. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, what a beautiful morning to be together, light streaming in. I notice how low the sun is on the horizon, making its um, journey or as earth turns this extraordinary time of winter solstice and quiet. And Jean, thank you for um, the mirror mind of Dharma. That was beautiful. And uh, beginner's mind. Um, I think of His Holiness in uh, Dharamsala, meeting a beginner and holding up the mirror. And particularly thinking of Joanna Macy and what it's been to study world as lover, world as self, this whole month to really immerse in this text coming to a close now at the, at the close of the year um, for many of us this has been um, an incredible beginning of December with the traditional Rohatsu Seshin our Enlightenment Day ceremony last week and and then um, practitioners all over the world sitting quietly and I had the great um, pleasure and um, in-depth experience of sitting at home, but sitting session with um, Yupaya Zen Center, where the study was of the Mountains and Rivers Sutra, and in particular, um, translation from our beloved Kaz Tanahashi. For those of you who know, and um, we certainly know, whether you know him in person, um, as I'm fortunate to do, or uh, through his writing, causes the author and translator of really an extraordinary number of texts to help open the Dharma. And during this session, he was recovering from um, a very successful surgery, recovering in quiet in his home, meant to be teaching at Upaya, but instead teaching in the stillness of his home. And we stayed close to him by reading the Sutra. And this is of all of Dogen's writings, the Mountains and Rivers Sutra is the only one 
that is considered a sutra in that it stitches together mountains, rivers, the great earth, and our notion of what it means to be alive and to be a self, an ecological self connected to all that is. So this morning, I want to just spend a little time thinking about um, self, no self, and this um, this time that we're living in this morning, early this morning, my husband, Peter, who's um, an avid reader, gives 15 minutes to the New York Times early in the morning. And I heard him laughing, not just laughing, but uproarious laughing coming from his perch. And I, I choose that word intentionally, his perch by the fire in our living room. And I wondered what he it was before our meeting way before. So he brought me the New York Times and we read together really laughing about this movement of young people countering with humor and vivid uh, out, outrageousness um, the line between truth and, um, and lack of reality. Birds aren't real. Is there a 21-year-old young man in Memphis, Tennessee, right after Donald Trump was elected in uh, 2016, walking on the streets, looking at everything, it, 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 he was struck by how unreal his own body and mind felt and how unreal this world of um, non-truth really is. So he pulled a sign off the wall, turned it upside down and backwards and wrote, birds aren't real and march, join the march through the streets of Memphis. And somebody photographed his sign and posted it on the internet and his movement went viral proclaiming, if you can believe that birds aren't real, that they're actually drones flying in the air to record human activity, they're not real, then you will believe anything. Please come to your senses. And thousands of people have joined him. Anyway, we delighted this morning. Dear friends, please take a look at this movement. Birds aren't real. They just demonstrated in front of Twitter saying, how can you have an organization called Twitter when birds aren't real? and particularly the generation of young people like my children, um, standing up like the brave activists in Glasgow, Scotland, standing up and calling us to pay attention and to see the unity between the living world, the flying uh, life of birds and, um, and real truth. So I was uh, delighted. This young man's name is Peter McInode, and his friend, Claire Cronus, I love it. And uh, together they founded this movement called the Bird Brigade to hold up a mirror. I'm only doing this. We are only doing this, this young group of activists say, we're only doing this to hold up a mirror to America in the internet age and remind us how much our individual actions matter. So I wanted to begin with uh, that playfulness, uh, joyful, although we know the facts, um, very moving to me somehow to laugh together with my husband and to um, remember what serious times we're living in. So going to Joanna's text and to her writing of world as lover, world as self, I've been during Sashin turning again to the greening of self, of the self, one of her prominent and early essays written in the 1990s, a kind of core essay or a hinge essay 
for this book. And on the 7th of December, right before um, the end of Sashin, Peter and I, in a break, uh, went out to the ocean, to the great ocean. And I had just read with delight Claire's um, writing about the swash, the intertidal uh, notes from the rocky intertidal zone at the everlasting edge of the water. This is a little prominent sutra reading, not just mountains and rivers, but must must read Claire Peasley also during Sashin. So delighting. And Stephanie Kaza and I both participated in the Rohatsu Sashin in, um, in New Mexico, but worldwide Sashin. And so I called Stephanie or texted Stephanie and said, I hope you've read the notes from the intertidal zone. And together we got on the telephone and read to each other this wonderful document. But that wasn't enough. I wanted to go out to the intertidal zone of the Pacific Ocean at the height and the the drawdown of the king tides and stand in the truth of the living world to find out, are birds real? Are little tiny V-patterned crabs, mole crabs, emerita and aloga, are they real? Am I real? What does it mean to be real? So going out to the edge of the ocean on the 7th of December and um, I had my meditation skirt on, which I hitched up and went out in the waves and just stood in the intertidal zone and felt the power of what it means to be alive now. And around us, um, I could see the ocean was very full that day. It was only a few steps in and I was... um, thigh deep in the freezing water and watching the glitter and gleam of that intertidal zone, the boundary between sea and beach and um, the activity. And in particular, uh, while standing there, the sky became alive with brown pelicans diving into the ocean again and again and again. It seemed like a great dance, a feeding frenzy, the um, great meeting of very real birds flying and deeping deep into the ocean. And it helped bring me back to life and to really consider what does it mean to be alive now and to look at the greening of the cell. So how do we wake up from, this is from Joanna's teaching, how do we wake up from what Alan Watts calls the skin encapsulated ego, or Gregory Bateson saying, an idea of the self separate from everything that is, is the epistemological error of Occidental civilization. Too fancy, no separate self, no self separate from all that is, or the ecological self, the self that protects the world with your own life, and stands in the cold water holding up the mirror to a sky alive with very real birds not separate for one moment from she who stands in the ocean. So I have for 25 years treasured this essay as a true Dharma statement and reminder that the self's perceptions are always determined by its position, by how we stand in relation to everything that is. The more precisely one principle is known, 
the less precisely others can be known. So willing to stand in the ocean and be uncertain, am I real? Are birds real? Are the mole crabs real? And knowing fully and non-separated from everything that is, yes, four billion years of evolution from our microbial ancestors remind us that we are greater than this skin encapsulated ego that thinks there is any way to separate from all that is. How do we actually really take it in? How do we ask the question? Do you have a question, His Holiness asks? Yes, what is Dharma? Perfect beginner's mind question. Dharma, what is the self? What does it mean to be alive in these times and to work for the well-being of all beings? We change, again from Joanna reminding us, we change the way we experience ourselves through an ever-widening presence of identification further and further and further from the small, separate, lonely self. So how do you do this? What is your work and how do you unfold? You know, I, um, it's going to be really interesting to hear what comes up for each of you when we break into smaller groups, but in Joanna's thesis and this book too, and you know, again, you've got a, a book person here holding up the treasured and old beaten out copies, the Dharma of natural systems. Um, Joanna reminds us something that's been very important for me and connected to the greening of self, that if you can find a reality or I don't even know how to say it. If you can find the roots of what matters most to you and follow those roots all the way down to where they bury where they're buried in 4 billion years of microbial ancestral knowledge coming from the earth. And this 4 billion years of ancestral knowledge from our microbial teachers, Lynn Margulis. 4 billion years. What takes you down and into that truth? Maybe it is the mole crap at the edge of the intertidal zone. Maybe it is a flight of pelicans plummeting into the ocean. Maybe it is for me always um, looking at and being involved with trees and the life of trees, not, not generic trees, but each one is one. There are many of them. And we, we think and call a gathering like, like we do at Sashin. We call a gathering of practitioners, a forest thicket of investigation. So for me, the tree and the flame are great teachers. And this gratitude to Joanna Macy for her insight at the very end of her thesis, Mutual Causality and General Systems Theory. She says, hold up two images, the tree and the flame. So the tree representing interconnection from the roots to the bark, to the leaves, to the twigs, to the branches, to the canopy of blossom out in the sky. A tree represents relationship, a holonic, atomic <laughs> community and ecosystem alive in every tree that grows. And 
I look at the landscape and um, celebrate the life of trees right now. So thinking of the enlightenment Seshin, the Buddha's enlightenment Seshin, Buddha sitting silently, quietly under a great Bodhi tree, the tree of awakening in India, the wishing tree, the symbol of wisdom and plenty and connectedness. And when great doubt rises up, putting his hand on the earth, the earth cracking open and from the roots of the tree, Bodhisattvas coming up to do the work of the world. So for me, tree is a ballast and a reminder of relatedness. But tree is always balanced by the reality of flame. Think of us last week in the Enlightenment Day ceremony, whether at home or in the church, in the sanctuary, lighting those little candles, walking in a big circle, namu kiebutsu, namu kiebutsu, namu kiebutsu, homage to awakening, homage to awakening, holding up a little flame and the flame shining by perishing. So the flame is a wonderful image of the greater self because fire transforms and is transformed by fuel. And so the flame represents the metabolic nature of life, being willing to burn up and leave no trace. And of course, wood is often a source of fire. So how do we turn back again and again to interrelatedness and to shining by perishing, by being fully burned up? So these two images are helpful to me. And right now at the, at the drawdown of the year, coming toward uh, the darkest time of the year at the winter solstice. And then of course, at that moment, at the hip bone of the year, turning again toward the light. So December 21st, the shortest day of the year, the longest night, and the point at which we begin to turn toward the light, to hold up the mirror, to really investigate what does it mean to be alive in these times without separating from all that is, to be made of both the sorrow and the joy, the dance and the dance and plunge of the pelicans and the truth of the truth that some people will actually believe birds are not real and follow that as dogma. How do we break open, hold up a mirror and meet each other face to face? This is, this is the work now, forgive me. I'm still very much in the heart and mind of Rohatsu, even sitting at home and being quiet. It's somehow being quiet, sitting still and considering these questions, what is Dharma? What does it mean to be alive now? Has been extraordinarily important during this time. And it's a little hard to come out, a little hard to come back. However, um, we have each other, we have our practice in whatever way we take it up. And this is an extraordinarily important time. So uh, gratitude to Heart of Compassion to each one of you for your practice and for the opportunity to turn the mirror, not only toward the world, toward the open sky, but also toward ourselves, so-called selves, and see reflected a vast interconnected network of life into death into life. 
So let me close. Let me close with um, words from adapted words from Gary Snyder, the Mountains and Rivers Sutra. Again, holding up this beautiful book with with uh, Tom Killian's illustrations, Mountains and Rivers Without End. And I remember many years ago when Norman Fisher's Norman Zoketsu Fisher was abbot at Zen Center, um, those precious years, inviting Gary Snyder to join us for a night of poetry. Some of you may have been present. I know I was on that night. Uh, the Zendo was opened up at dusk. And for most of the night, we read the Sansui Kyo, the Mountains and Rivers Sutra, as an opportunity to come back to our true selves. Sounds swallowed away, said Gary on that night. Sounds swallowed away. No waters, no mountains, nothing in the way. So that when a monk asks, His teacher, how do I turn the mountains and rivers and the earth to see myself? He's answered, ask instead how you turn yourself towards the mountains, rivers, and great earth and return to a wider knowledge. So this was an all night long celebration of poetry and Dharma, the mirror was held high, poets and uh, musicians and artists were hidden in the folds of the room and throughout the night they stood up and read sections of this extraordinary uh, document. I remember Jane Hirschfield reading um, with a candle to hold to see, it was very dim in the Zendo and yet all night long we entered into celebration. And Gary asked that we not um, record, excuse me, being an owner. It's great we're recording our Dharma talks, but he asked on this night and also in another time with Norman that we not record his stories, reflections on living and training in the Dharma of mountains and rivers and looking at a wider sense of self. Not record because we'll, re- we'll inevitably be separated by recording and locked down and our words can't continue to grow and um, evolve. So he asked that night, there's no record of it except what was in our hearts and the document and the, the living truth of the intertidal edge and mountains and rivers without end. So let me close, just take a, take a look, whatever you're doing, uh, put it down, put down your tea, put down your coffee. And let's consider, and this will be our question, what turns you in this dark time? What turns yourself back? What turns you? So the mountain spirit. And I think of mountain bliss this morning, blissful mountain, sitting and listening. The mountain spirit, walking on walking, underfoot, Earth turns. Streams and mountains never stay the same. Walking on walking, underfoot, earth turns. Streams and mountains and the living ocean never stay the same. Into earth, rock dives. 
mountains lift and open underground out, dust over seashell, layers of ooze, mole crab moving, display and play. Buttresses fracture, loom, fall, face, heap of risks. And the mountain spirit is always wandering. Hillsides face and fade like walls of cloud. Pebbles smooth, slosh off, slosh off into the sea. An old woman mountain hears shifting sand in her tidal edge, tells the wind, nothingness is shapeliness. Walking on walking, underfoot, earth turns. So pardon me if this has been at all abstract to you in any way. And I wish you a, a deep morning of reflection and looking and considering together what turns you in these times. Uh, dark and light, the hip, the edge of the year the edge of dark and light, the great winter solstice standing still of the sun at its southernmost point. Low, low, low on the saddle of the horizon, flooding into this room this morning. Um, may the heart of compassion continue to pump and um, thrive. So thank you for your practice. <laughs>